This is the podcast for Indelible, the documentary in progress for the week of June 2nd, 2017. It's a beautiful late spring afternoon in Seattle, and I'm grateful to be surrounded by so much beauty in nature. The birds have been particularly beautiful, the bird song. And for some unknown reason, noticing the pattern of the bird song has been very important to me lately. It requires a strong focus in order to listen, and you have to tune out everything else. Also, the pattern of the wind as it moves through the trees has also seemed really important. These two things bring me a lot of happiness. In the last podcast, I mentioned that I hoped my next podcast would be more positive or bring more positive news. So I begin this one with my noticing of nature. But um, these past weeks have been one thing after the other with barely time to catch my breath and all of it requiring a response to a legal document. At some point, I just gave in, and I decided, well, this is my path for now, and it's something I need to finish, and I'll do the best I can. So, I've been pro se in this case since the last podcast. The attorney for the FBI, Brian Kipnis, has said in in email that he will never speak with me on the phone. Now, when you're pro se, um, you have a right to speak with the defense attorney or the opposition, Um, but I guess that you don't actually have a right to speak to them. You have a right to communicate with them. And um, this is very different than how a lawyer um, is treated when they are a plaint. You know, when they represent a plaintiff, they get to speak freely, pick up the phone, and talk to the defense attorney. Um, everything doesn't have to be done in a really, you know, leggy back and forth through emails that may not get answered for a couple days. But when you're pro se, I guess uh, if the defendant wants to have this kind of a personality, um, he can uh, choose to do so. So that's how it's been with Mr. Kipnis. Well, on Monday, the judge issued an order stating stating that uh, Mr. Kipnis and I must meet via phone or face-to-face and have what's called a joint status conference. And together somehow issue a report which described where we are with the case and how we how we plan to move forward. So I hadn't heard anything from Mr. Kipnis, so the next day I contacted him in email asking how we might arrange for this meeting. And at first I suggested a phone meeting, but on further consideration I felt a meeting in a conference room would be safer as I felt vulnerable and unprotected 
in the way in which my words might be misconstrued or might get misconstrued, considering how um, Mr. Kipnis had been reluctant to speak with me. And I also, um, well, I'll tell you that part later. Um, Mr. Kipnis then replied, offering a time for a phone call on a date two days before our report was due. And so I wrote back and said that I felt it best to have a face-to-face -face meeting in a conference room in the courthouse, which is where his office is located. So it wouldn't be any more burdensome for him than a phone call. And for me, it would actually require that I travel three hours on public transportation to meet with him back and forth. And in reply, Mr. Kipnis was extremely belittling and really, it felt like he was bullying me. He demanded that there would only be a phone call. Now, I found this to be interesting considering he refused to talk with me on the phone and said so explicitly in email. He will not talk to me on the phone. But now, because I want to meet face to face, he will only meet with me, or excuse me, he will only speak with me on the phone for this conference. Well, he doesn't have any authority over this matter, and uh, he's required by ethics not to bully me. So I asked again today, but he wrote and said that, quote unquote, there will be no further discussion. And it was as if I was some petulant child, and, and really quite humiliating to experience. So I filed a motion with the court making my request that we have our meeting in a conference room at the courthouse and the court issued an order for the conference to be held at the court on June, uh, June 13th. So this is better, better than the phone conference. To change gears here a little bit, the Intercept, which is uh, a somewhat new media source, published an article written by Jeremy Scahill, who does a lot of research on mercenary firms, um, about a mercenary firm named Tiger Swan and their employment and actions during the Standing Rock events. That's my dog in the background chewing on a piece of something, so she likes to do that, so sorry about that extra noise. Their firm was founded by a special ops vet, and it seems that from my research all mercenaries seem to come from the military or are trained by special ops personnel. And as part of their unethical activities, they put out reports describing water protectors at Standing Rock as insurgents, as if they were not American citizens in peaceful prayer, but enemy forces, which was just horrific to hear about. Um, they also shared the name of a man named Robert Rice, and they showed his photo. He had been behind the online propaganda against the water protectors, and he'd been behind the name, excuse me, not the name, 
and he had been behind the design of a website used for this purpose. Well, I was shocked as I had seen this man before. He had attached himself to my Twitter account in late 2008. He said he was a VR researcher, virtual reality researcher. He was still, you know, a follower of mine just the other day when I read this article. I've since deleted him, but two months after he attached to my Twitter account, on Valentine's Day in 2009, an online smear campaign was begun and it terrorized me. It began with a death threat with a gun and went on to include images of my being raped, my medical records being posted all over the internet, and social media accounts being taken out in my name and used like puppets. The result was devastating. It impacted every aspect of my life negatively and it forced me into one legal action after another to stop each attack. It caused the loss of my job, which was a second in a second career. And uh, I really have never fully recovered after those attacks. But there's always a good side to these kinds of things, and those who design them often overlook these things. It taught me how to recognize when such an attack is occurring, and how to see the signs of a smear campaign beginning. And in doing so, it led me to realize that Carl Harp, in, the, in my story here, in Indelible, had been smeared 40 years after his murder, was still being smeared. You could tell by the media reports, recent media reports, in 2010. Now, at the time I didn't know he'd been murdered, or a kid in poverty trained as a mercenary, and no, nor did I know that there were other kids with similar experiences, but now I know. So, thank you, Tiger Swan, for teaching me about your ways and how to recognize them. It's difficult for me to stay in my heart these days. There are too many constant efforts to knock me over. But nature helps, and nature is a land of information to bring peace and healing. And the birds call with just incredibly sweet voices. Tiger Swan and the FBI and everyone who stands in a way where they feel being aligned with capital is all that is required are to be pitied because they cannot feel their connection to all other living beings. So they really have no real power. They have the semblance of power a shadow version of power, but once the light comes on from the other side of the room, 
their power is dissipated and dissolved. I never allow myself to be completely overcome with fear when they group together or try to pound their chest through group actions. Instead, I send them prayers and I stay my course as best I can. I know distraction and doubt is what they want to occur and the hardening of your heart towards others and yourself as it's this that weakens you. I'm grateful for the teachings I have received and continue to receive from the indigenous people who stood at Standing Rock and who still teach today. They love the earth and the sky and the water. They know the earth and the sky and the water. And they understand the importance of the natural world. And most importantly, they understand the value of humility. So thank you, Royce, for your sacrifice, for the strength of all that's good. I hope you grow stronger and have continued healing and strength. And thank you, Wachapi, for your wisdom and sacrifice of time and sharing of your teachings. And thank you to all of you true-hearted water protectors and corruption fighters who stand strong in a peaceful and good way. So that's all I have for tonight. And I hope everyone has a wonderful June. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen. There's a lot of court actions for me coming up uh, in around mid-June, so um, they're pretty serious and scary, so we'll see what happens. I'm going to keep a positive image and believe everything will work out okay. So, okay, that's all I've got. Good night.